The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. So today we are going to be doing Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Chapter 3, The Invitation. Harry had just sent off the letter to Sirius, and he goes downstairs, and... Harry enters the kitchen and the Dursleys are already there. No one looks up, no one pays any attention to him. They proceed to ignore him and treat him as though he is not there. This reminds me of the silent treatment you might give a partner or something like that. What is the effects of something like this? Being ignored, whether it's through the silent treatment or through ghosting, can be not only really painful, but can actually be traumatic for some people. It's essentially telling the person, you're not important enough for me to acknowledge you. When someone is mad at someone else, if let's say you're angry with your significant other, the best thing at that point to do is to say, you know, I need maybe a 30 minute break to just kind of go cool off in another room or I need a few days to myself or just something. But ignoring the person and giving them the silent treatment is actually really destructive for relationships. It's better to take a few days apart to cool off and then have a conversation or to talk things out than to engage in this kind of response to one another. The Dursleys treat him like he's not even significant. (laughs) They always have. They've always treated him like he's not significant, like in the previous book in A Prisoner of Azkaban, we see him being treated by Aunt Marge as worse than a dog. For the longest time, he lived in a cupboard. That's no way to treat a child. No child should yeah. live in a cupboard. A cupboard is for things, not for people. And certainly the way that they're treating him here is really inappropriate and is a form of emotional abuse. Yeah, they're just horrible to Harry. Just horrible. So Dudley received a report card with bad grades and complaints about his school behavior, in particular his bullying other students. As parents, Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon just shrugged off this report card and made excuses for their son instead of addressing his very severe character flaws and behavior. It's very interesting when parents make excuses for their kids like this is it something where they're taking offense personally or why aren't they rectifying behavior that's obviously bad 
I think a lot of parents take any kind of criticism of their child as a reflection of themselves and therefore might be in denial, might be really offended if their child is reported to have done something not nice. I also think that from Dudley's early age, Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon have engaged in enabling his bad behavior, whether it was when he was bullying Harry or when he was bullying them and demanding more birthday presents. And now here, the school is telling them that he's bullying other students and they're not just ignoring this behavior, but actually enabling it. Well, not only does... Dudley's behavior come to light in this chapter, Dudley's weight and size comes into some serious focus in this chapter. Like the school nurse sent home a note and a diet sheet for the Dursleys to follow because Dudley was, quote, the size and weight of a young killer whale. As part of this new regime of like a diet, Aunt Petunia has removed sweets from the fridge and was feeding Dudley just a quarter of an unsweetened grapefruit as part of his new dietary restrictions. She made excuses for him again about his weight, you know, just saying that he's big boned and it's puppy fat and she was trying to downplay his size a little bit. But the interesting thing is J.K. Rowling really wrote the Dursleys in such a negative and evil light, it is easy to overlook fat shaming like this and the negative jabs at weight when the characters are designed to be disliked like them. This still must hit a nerve with some people. Just the descriptions in general. What are your thoughts on this? Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up. And this is not the first time that we've seen elements of fat shaming in the Harry Potter series, which is really unfortunate. Both Uncle Vernon and Dudley are described in this really grotesque and fat shaming way as our Crab and Goyle, right? Uh, Malfoy's sidekicks. And unfortunately, it creates this image that people who are overweight are bad somehow or lazy or gluttonous. I do think that Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon endorsed a really unhealthy for a child, certainly, diet. And I think that it's important that parents create a balance, right? Uh, it's important for a kid to be able to have sweets and certain treat foods, but also it's important to learn moderation. And then I also don't agree with diet culture. We know that diet culture doesn't work. A diet tends to backfire. People tend to get really, really hungry and actually end up going into starvation mode, which is really bad for their brain, actually. Puts us in that irritable mood because of the fight or flight mode that happens when we're hungry. It negatively affects our heart if we do that for too long. After a while, people tend to do the opposite, right? After a week or two of starvation diets that people are sometimes prescribed or take on themselves, they end up doing the opposite. They end up re-engaging in foods that they were trying to avoid before and then basically saying, well, forget it. I broke my diet, so I'm done. What we're finding now that tends to work better is not a diet, but a lifestyle, a lifestyle of moderation where there are no bad foods, where we're allowed to have a salad and we're also allowed to have pizza and we're allowed to have a brownie. But the idea would be to have these things in moderation to make sure that we're providing nutrients for our body and also to be able to have a treat. 
And creating this relationship with food takes away this deep desire for the quote-unquote bad foods, as well as the internalized shame that many of us have, especially women, about eating certain foods that certain people consider to be bad foods. And I want to be very careful here. And I, I know I said that a lot of women internalize shame. It occurs across all sexes and all gender identities. But I think especially in women, because women are taught from early age that the one thing we have to offer is our beauty and we're taught that we are as beautiful as we are thin. Of course, both of those are BS statements. Women are so much more than beautiful and thin does not necessarily equal beautiful. And so I think that there's a lot of caution we need to consider when reading this chapter in terms of being very careful about fat shaming toward other people and internalized fat shaming and also not prescribing a diet to ourselves, certainly without consulting a nutritionist or another professional, but also being very careful about eating plans that are overly restrictive because they tend to not work physically or mentally. Yeah, definitely. Dieting is just miserable. <laughs> We've tried some diets that just, you know, make you feel like crap. It's just horrible. It's interesting in this chapter because to make Dudley feel better, Aunt Petunia insists that everyone in the house is also on the same diet. So, you know, Uncle Vernon, herself, Harry, and of course, Harry gets the smallest pieces as always. But there is some comfort in solidarity, and I get that. But there's a thin line when you force others to suffer as well. Just to make someone feel better, three others have to suffer here and do this miserable diet. I, I don't understand how this is an effective process, making other people suffer for someone else like this. Well, I think it's a really complicated question. You're right. There is power in solidarity. And so if somebody is trying to eat healthier, it does help if there are fewer or no certain types of foods in the house. And then if everybody tries to eat a certain way, but... I think that this kind of a diet here is so restrictive that it's not helpful for anyone. If somebody is trying to quit alcohol, it is helpful if there's no alcohol in the house, which means that no other family members are drinking either, at least in front of that individual. That is important, but I think the way that the family goes about it is not healthy for any of them. The kind of grapefruit diet that they're on is not healthy for any of the four of them. And again, I think if there was any kind of a health change, it would be most helpful if each one of them consulted with a nutritionist and had a plan and were just eating certain foods in moderation and maybe not having access to some foods, but for the most part, still having some treats in the house. Yeah, treats are good. <laughs> I like my treats. I have a drawer. <laughs> <laughs> I know all about your chocolate drawer. Yeah. Well, sometimes you just need a little... Yum, yum. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with having a treat. Yeah. So during their grapefruit breakfast, a doorbell rings. Uncle Vernon comes back from the door and he yells at Harry and tells him to meet him in the living room right away. Mrs. Weasley sent the Dursleys a letter to get permission to take Harry to the Quidditch World Cup, which is in less than a week. Besides the fact that the Dursleys are just kind of horrible people... It got me thinking about people getting in trouble or reprimanded for things that are outside of their control. What do you think about these kind of punishments where people are 
punished for something that they had absolutely no control over. Of course, it's completely ridiculous and it's not an all or nothing here, right? There are some situations where I think a person might need to take some accountability for the future actions. For example, if there's a person whose friends are constantly making inappropriate, like, let's say, racial slurs or sexist comments, although that particular individual who's not making those comments is not necessarily at fault for the comments their friends make. But if they don't tell their friends not to, if they don't set a boundary, and their friend's behavior, of course, then doesn't change, then in a lot of ways, that person is also responsible. In this case, first of all, there's nothing Harry could have done to prevent Mrs. Weasley from sending him a letter, and there's nothing wrong with being sent a letter. He didn't even know the letter was going to come. But also, in this case, it seems that the Dursleys are reacting negatively to something that is a perfectly innocent gesture. I think it's so beautiful how the magic community is when they're trying to interact with the muggle community. She put stamps all over the whole envelope just to make sure there was enough postage. And she even mentions it. I, I think it's just so endearing. The Weasleys are endearing in just general. So endearing. I, I want them to adopt me. They're wonderful. Yeah. This chapter is really, you know, short and there's not really much more to it. Harry receives the letter and him and Uncle Vernon argue for a little while. But now Harry has some ammunition and he actually uses it in this situation where he's like, well, if you're not going to let me go, I'm just going to write a letter to my godfather, you know, Sirius Black, the murderer. (laughs) (laughs) So inevitably, Uncle Vernon gives him the permission. And that's pretty much where the chapter ends with Harry having this huge smile and returning to his room where in the floorboard he has sweets. (laughs) all ready for himself so that's the end of this episode thank you so much for tuning in again my name is dustin mcginnish you can find me on twitter at the valiant geek and i'm dr janina scarlett you can find me on twitter at shadow quill or dr janina scarlett official on instagram for all of our listeners out there we are sending out free signed copies of dr scarlett's book harry potter therapy an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section to enter the drawing all you have to do is tweet about this podcast with the hashtag harry potter therapy We will choose one lucky listener every month to receive their free copy. Unfortunately, due to high postage costs, international listeners will not be eligible for this promotion. Stay safe out there, everybody. Stay kind, stay magical, and take care.